welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Well, join with me, if you will, and let's spend just a moment before the throne of God in prayer. God, we praise you today. Uh, the words of the song have so beautifully described uh, what we walk through in life. And I pray, God, we praise you in all of those moments. We praise you when we're on the mountains. And we praise you when the mountains are in the way. When we walk through valleys, when we experience hopelessness and despair. Uh, God, we praise you even then. Because we believe with all of our hearts that the King has come. That you have invited us into life that is filled with hope even in the darkest moments imaginable. And so God, today as we celebrate the coming of the Christ, may we embrace the hope that is ours in him. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have noticed your calendars, it is Sunday, December the 1st. It doesn't seem possible that December is here. doesn't seem possible that Christmas Day is 25 days away. It doesn't seem possible that with one more turn of the calendar, we will begin the year 2020. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I suspect for most of us, uh, our lives revolve around a calendar. Uh, whether it's a calendar that you keep on your desk like I do, or maybe a calendar that you can quickly access with technology, uh, we are driven by, we are led by far too often perhaps the calendar. And if you're like me, there are certain days on your calendar that are significant days in your life. Uh, for example, I celebrated a birthday two weeks ago. And I'm confident that my birthday is on most of your calendars as well. At least it should be. Uh, and it was one of those significant birthdays. I turned 65 this year, even though most of you would look at me and say, oh, he's only 45, only 50. Uh, one of those significant birthdays. And other significant birthdays that are on my calendar, hopefully I don't forget, but they are there as reminders. And so birthdays of my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my mother, uh, those that I work with day after day as a part of our staff at Monterey. And then we talk about anniversaries that are on our calendars. It may be a wedding anniversary. It may be an anniversary connected with your job in some fashion, other transition moments in your life. And then we talk about those incredible holidays. We've just celebrated Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday during the year. And now we anticipate Christmas and we anticipate the beginning of a new year. And as we anticipate the beginning of a new year, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but as we anticipate the beginning of a new year, we begin to talk about New Year's resolutions. But even beyond that, we are reminded of the power of new beginnings. And I think that's wrapped into the Advent season as well. What we don't talk about as often, unfortunately, is the Christian year. 
and a number of significant events and traditions that are wrapped into the Christian year. Words like Advent, Epiphany, Lent, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. Like many of you, I grew up in churches of Christ where we did not give much attention uh, to most of those traditions. But I would suggest, and I make this comment every December, I would suggest that those seasons of the year bring incredible opportunities for us to reaffirm our faith in the Messiah, in Christ, and to bear testimony to the world, to bear testimony to the incarnation, the good news, Emmanuel with us. And so if you know anything at all about the Christian year, you know that the season of Advent begins today. Uh, Advent always begins on the fourth Sunday before Christmas, before December the 25th, and embraces four Sundays. And so this year, the four Sundays of Advent are December 1, December 8, December 15, and December the 22nd. Advent, an incredibly beautiful little word which signifies a coming. It is a time of expectant waiting, a time of anticipation, even a time of preparation as we think about celebrating the birth of Jesus. The season offers us as believers in Christ the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, those great texts of the Old Testament that point to the Messiah. But even beyond that, in our world today, to be alert for His coming again. And then wrapped into the Advent season are four incredible words, four incredible themes, hope and peace and joy and love. All again as we anticipate the presence, as we affirm, as we celebrate the presence of Christ in our lives. And so as we've done for the last several years, we're going to spend the next four weeks in an Advent series. And as Sam mentioned, the theme this year is the King has come. For centuries, the Jewish people anticipated the Messiah. Uh, For example, they celebrated the Passover festival each year where they remembered the Exodus event, but where they also clung to the promises of God, that God still had promises to fulfill in the coming of a Messiah. Well, we know the history. We know the Messiah has come. And so, yes, we anticipate But because the Messiah has come, we affirm the presence of hope and peace and joy and love. And yet at the same time, I want you to hear me clearly. And the words of the songs have reminded us this morning. Yes, the King has come. Yes, we have victory. Yes, the ultimate victory is ours. But that does not mean that we never experience heartache and suffering and pain. In fact, even as we gather on a Sunday morning like today, there are many folks in this audience who have walked through incredible heartache, incredible suffering during the past year, who've experienced loss, who've walked through moments of uncertainty, moments of question, moments of doubt. But you see, what the coming of the Messiah does mean is that even in those dark moments, we find strength We walk through those moments with a different perspective. And so as we spend these four weeks together, my prayer is that we will be reminded of the birth of Jesus, of his life and his ministry, of his death, burial, and resurrection, 
of the promise of his coming, of the presence of the Holy Spirit that we've talked about the last several weeks, all of that wrapped into the good news, wrapped into the story of the gospel, the good news that indeed brings hope, peace, joy, and love. And so here's my affirmation for the series. Where there is brokenness and despair and hopelessness and heartache, Jesus brings hope. Where there is chaos and conflict and fear, Jesus brings peace. Where there is sorrow and loneliness and uncertainty, Jesus brings joy. And where there is hatred and broken relationships, Jesus brings love. In fact, my prayer for all of us during this season is the prayer Paul voiced to the church in Rome. May the God of hope fill you with great joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the traditions wrapped into the Advent season that many families, and I know a number of families at Monterey do this, one of the traditions that many families and churches celebrate is the lighting of a candle on each of these four Sundays during Advent, symbolizing hope, peace, joy, and love. And so as we have done in previous years, we're going to be lighting a candle each Sunday during this series. And so on this first Sunday of Advent, let me invite you to turn your attention to the screens as today we focus on hope. I'm Hunter Hill. And I'm Katie Hill. In April of this past year on Good Friday, our daughter, Alira, passed away after 371 days of life. Hope has honestly been hard to see sometimes and hard to experience. I used to think that hope was always bright, cheery, and sunshine, but I've realized that you can have hope even in the darkest times. Hope is not the absence of sadness or suffering, but it's it's really just being able to see God through that darkness and realizing that there's something beyond it. Hope is, for me, even in those dark spots, knowing that somewhere along the way, God will make good come from what we are going through, whether it's something we personally see or something that somebody else in our lives has benefited from. It helps me to see that that helps me to move forward and keep going, even in the midst of our hardship. The first week of Advent focuses on the theme of hope. Israel had waited for hundreds of years for God to hear their cries for a rescuer and keep the promise that he had made through the prophet Isaiah. His answer to that promise was a baby boy named Jesus who would grow up to be the king of kings and savior of the world. Like the Israelites of old, we too wait with expectation for rescue from our hurt, from our struggle, and from the darkness in our world. And God's answer to our anticipations? Hope. Hope for a time when there is no more pain, no more loss, and no more separation from God. We light this candle for hope, for those who are waiting, for those who are anticipating, 
for those who are walking through the struggles and despairs of this broken world, wondering if God is going to keep his promise to them, for those who are experiencing the reality of a hope long awaited, and for those who question daily, may we learn to hope this Advent season. think I could say amen and we could just leave and be on our way because it has been an incredible blessing already to be here this morning uh, to recognize that God brings hope uh, even in the midst of uh, the darkest circumstances imaginable in fact this entire advent season is such a powerful symbolic reminder of the story of God Uh, Some of you will remember that three or four years ago, we spent nine months in a series called The Story, uh, the overall story of Scripture. And throughout that series, we talked about two pieces of the story of Scripture, the upper story and the lower story. Advent is a powerful reminder of both of those pieces of the story, the upper story, where we focus on God, God's purpose, God's promises that are at work in our world and at work in our lives, and then the lower story, where we live every day with both our joys and our sorrows, with our moments of incredible faith and our moments of struggle and question and doubt, and yet a recognition that God intersects our lives, God intersects our stories. In fact, I think it's accurate as we reflect on the story of Scripture, it's accurate to say that the Advent season actually takes us back to the book of Genesis. Now, we spent some time there uh, during the Holy Spirit series, and so just a brief reminder as we look at the story of creation, we were created in the image of God, created to share relationship with God and with one another, but also in the spirit of the Advent season, we were created to celebrate and to experience hope, peace, joy, and love. But our story, the lore story, is often not a story that is filled with those great themes because, you see, sin entered the world. And because of the entrance of sin, because of the entrance of sin into the world, we talk about loneliness and heartache and brokenness. When sin enters the human arena, we see all of those different pieces playing out. It is the story of Adam and Eve playing out over and over again in the chapters of our lives. Hope turns to despair. Peace turns to conflict. Sorrow turns to joy. uh, Joy turns to sorrow. And love turns to hatred. We see that in the story of Adam and Eve and the story of Cain and Abel, the story of Noah and the flood, the story of the Tower of Babel over and over again in the history of Israel. And again, we see that in the story of our lives, eyes and hearts that far too often are not filled with hope, peace, joy, and love. I was a college student during 
the 1970s. Privileged to be a part of a Christian university, but also aware of so much that was going on in our country during that time. Lots of hopelessness, lots of despair, lots of things being written that pointed people away from God. One of those authors was a Russian-born American novelist by the name of Anne Rand. She rejected faith and religion. She died in 1982, but on one occasion in the 1970s, she had mesmerized a student audience at Yale University with her ideas regarding life and regarding the fact that there is no real answer. Afterwards, a reporter from Time Magazine asked her, Miss Rand, what's wrong with this modern world in which we live? Without hesitation, she replied, and I want you to hear carefully her words, she said, never before has the world been so desperately asking for answers to crucial questions? And I suppose we could say that regarding any generation. And then she said, and never before has the world been so frantically committed to the idea that no answers are possible. It's the last part of her statement that I would disagree with. I would contend that her second never before is simply not right. Yes, the world has been desperately searching for hope ever since sin entered the human arena. And I would also contend, somewhat along the lines of what she said, that any philosophical system that is removed from God has no answers for the hopelessness of the world either. But again, it's that second never before statement I disagree with. She said, never before has the world been so frantically committed to the idea that no answers are possible? Now, I know you're ahead of me, but I would contend that any path we pursue outside of the story of God is a path that has no real answers. But, but the story of God? Oh, that's another path. That's another story. It is the story of good news. It is the story of hope. And in fact, Paul plays that story out in the book of Ephesians, where in chapter 2, he reminds us that life without Jesus is life without God and without hope. But he goes ahead in the grand declaration of the grace of God to say that we have hope in Jesus. We have been brought near by the work of Jesus, he says. To echo again what we've talked about the last several weeks, we are the dwelling place of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us, bringing us incredible hope and incredible peace. But at the same time, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I think it is important as we talk about hope to also pause for a moment and, and just be brutally honest with life and with the world in which we live, to recognize that despair often grabs hold of our world, to recognize that our world often lives with hopelessness. And again, many times we grapple with the same thing. In fact, maybe we can identify with one of the implications of a statement that Emily Dickinson made, a great poet who had this incredible gift to use all sorts of analogy. And when she attempted to answer the question, what is hope? Here's how she put it. Again, an incredible analogy. She says, hope is that thing. She's talking about birds. 
Hope is that thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune even without words and never stops at all. That's what hope is all about. And yet far too often, to use her analogy, the bird of hope that she described no longer sings its song. The crises of life rob us of our songs and of our hope. And so again, at the beginning of this Advent season, we affirm the King has come, bringing hope. We, we can step back into the life of the prophet Isaiah, that great messianic prophet. In fact, there are more words in Isaiah's writing that point to the Messiah and to hope than any other Old Testament prophet. In Isaiah's time, for many of the folks who lived then, a sense of hopelessness prevailed. It existed. They had lost their hope at a crucial time in their history as the people of God. And so war and conflict abounded. People's hearts had turned away from God. They had often turned to things like idol worship, even superstitions, and rebellion against God. Isaiah the prophet came on the scene during those times of war and hopelessness with a message of hope, with a message of salvation. Words of hope not only for his day, but words of hope that still ring so true today as we think about the Messiah. And so again, grab hold of hope, but let me hit the pause button again because I don't want us to be naive. I don't want us to pretend that suffering doesn't exist in our world. In fact, Paul in Romans chapter 8 will remind us of the hope that is ours in Christ. And yet, even in that context, incredible hope that Paul talks about that's found in Jesus by the presence of, of the Spirit of God. In the midst of all of that, Paul would say, we need to come to grips with the fact that suffering is real in our world. And as I said earlier, many of us in this audience have walked through incredible moments of suffering and heartache during this past year. Folks who have lost loved ones, folks who struggle with depression, folks who are grappling with uncertainty in their lives. This idea of hope may seem so far away at times. And so in those moments, even as we think about hope in those moments, there is a time and a place for us to cry out to God. In fact, when we read the Psalms in the Old Testament, 60% of those Psalms are Psalms of lament. Often Psalms of lament, the way the Psalms are laid out, that will lead us to the songs of ascent. And we celebrated that in the song we did just before the lighting of the candle this morning. That in the midst of those moments... In the midst of those moments when the mountains are so huge, in the midst of those moments when the valleys run so deep. And so it's appropriate, I think, for us to just pause and to be honest and to be transparent with the heartaches and the brokenness that often come in life. And I don't know how to do that best, but here's what I'm going to invite us to do for just a moment this morning. I'm going to invite you to, to just bow your heads with me and to close your eyes, and let's just spend a moment in silence reflecting on the despair that often exists in our world, and maybe it's stuff that you're walking through right now. And so can we just be silent and honest before God and put our hearts and our minds around that? Let's bow together.
God, I don't think a single one of us in this room long for suffering. And yet, God, I pray that we don't pretend that it doesn't exist. I pray that we are just as honest and transparent as we can be in grappling with the questions and the tough moments of life. And even as the Psalms remind us, in the midst of those laments, in the midst of that suffering, it may be a still small voice, or it may be the rumblings of the heavens themselves. But in the midst of those moments, may we grab hold of the hope that the King of Kings brings to our lives. God, we declare, even in the midst of those tough moments, we declare with all of our being, the King has come. And we give you thanks. In the name of Christ, amen. You see, church, the Advent season is a powerful reminder of God's story intersecting our stories. Or as Charles Lindsay put it in the elders' blessing this morning, of God invading our world. God invading our lives. Invading all of that brokenness and hopelessness and despair. A God who from the very beginning longs for a relationship with us, who passionately pursues us, who became one of us. It's what the incarnation is all about. A God who became flesh and made his dwelling among us, walking alongside us, sitting on the curb with us, experiencing even the suffering that we walk through in life in order that we might see his glory and even beyond that, that we might experience the hope that he brings. I love the way the story unfolds in the book of Genesis. It's not just the grace that God speaks again to Adam and Eve and to Cain after he murders his brother Abel and to Noah and his family after the flood. It is in very specific ways the language that God uses with Abram, a promise that through his descendants all nations would be blessed, a promise that through his descendants the hope that had been lost at the garden is now found again. A promise initially made to a man 75 years of age, a wife 65 years of age, a couple without children, and a couple who will endure, who will endure 25 more years before Isaac is born. And so the roller coaster ride of a sense of hope and yet despair at the same time, and yet through all of that, God bringing light into darkness, and a baby boy is born. It is that story that points us to the birth of another baby boy. It's that story that reminds us there is nothing too hard for God, a story that brings hope, not wishful thinking, but a firm confidence that is rooted in the promises of a faithful God. And so we share together songs that declare that Jesus is the cornerstone, that he is the hope, that he is the anchor, as Hebrews 6 would put it, the anchor for our soul, the anchor that itself in him has been cast over into heaven and gives us confidence. Not a promise, 
that all of the challenges of life will suddenly disappear. Why, if you'll just trust God, you'll never experience challenges. No, 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 that's not the promise. The promise is he will walk with you through anything that you experience in life. Emmanuel, God with us. In the Divine Comedy, the 14th century poem by the Italian poet Dante, Dante describes his journey through hell and purgatory and heaven. And interestingly enough, the sign above the entrance to Dante's hell says, Abandon hope, all you who enter here. For Dante, hell was a place with no hope, and I think he's right. And the reality is, unfortunately, far too often that sense of hopelessness grips our world. Folks who experience a living hell, even here on earth, because they have no glimpse of the God who breaks through the darkness. Advent, the coming of the Christ child, breaks through the darkness. And so even today, the lighting of this candle of hope and the other candles that we will light throughout this series, the lighting of this candle of hope is a reminder that nothing is impossible with God. Just as the angel Gabriel reminded Mary when he told her she would have a child, he said, nothing is impossible with God. The incarnation, the birth of a baby boy on the backside of nowhere, speaks volumes about all of those themes, about the incredible love of God, about the peace that passes understanding, about the joy that only we can experience because of God's promises. And today, about hope, even when our lives have been shattered. In contrast to the words of Dante, I love the words of Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish philosopher. In fact, one of my favorite writers from two or three centuries ago. You may or may not even recognize his name, but here's the way Kierkegaard defined hope. He defined hope as the passion for the possible. Or if you will permit me, even beyond that, hope is our passion for God who's able to do the impossible. And so again, my prayer is, may the God of hope fill you with great joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we sing together about that living hope, if there are decisions you need to make to embrace the hope that Jesus brings, or if there are ways that we can pray for you or bless you. A couple of our shepherds will be at the front. May we together embrace the hope that the King brings. Let's stand together as we sing.